Chapter One of the Go Getter. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Go Getter by Peter B. Kine. Chapter One. Mr. Alden P. Ricks, known in Pacific Coast wholesale lumber and shipping circles as Cappy Ricks, had more troubles than a hen with ducklings. He remarked as much to Mr. Skinner, President and General Manager of Ricks Logging and Lumber Company, the corporate entity which represented Cappy's vast lumber interests, and he fairly barked the information at Captain Matt Peasley, his son-in-law, and also President and Manager of the Blue Star Navigation Company, another corporate entity which represented the Ricks' interest in the American Mercantile Marine. Mr. Skinner received this information in silence. He was not related to Cappy Ricks, but Matt Peasley sat down, crossed his legs, and matched glares with his mercurial father-in-law. You have troubles, he jeered, with emphasis on the pronoun. Have you got a misery in your back? Or is Herbert Hoover the wrong man for Secretary of Commerce? Show your sarcasm, young feller, Cappy shrilled. You know dad blang well this isn't a question of health or politics. It's the fact that in my old age I find myself totally surrounded by the choicest aggregation of mental duds since Ajax defied the lightning. Meaning whom? You and Skinner. Why, what have we done? You argued me into taking on the management of twenty-five of those infernal shipping board freighters, and no sooner do we have them allocated to us than a near panic hits the country. Freight rates go to glory, marine engineers go on strike, and every infernal young whelp we send out to take charge of one of our offices in the Orient promptly gets the swelled head and thinks he's divinely ordained to drink up all the synthetic scotch whiskey manufactured in Japan for the benefit of thirsty Americans. In my old age, you two have forced me into the position of having to fire folks by cable. Why? Because we're breaking into a game that can't be played on the home grounds. A lot of our business is so far away, we can't control it. Matt Peasley leveled an accusing finger at Cappy Ricks. We never argued you into taking over the management of those shipping board boats. We argued me into it. I'm the goat. You have nothing to do with it. You retired ten years ago. All the troubles in the marine end of this shop belong on my capable shoulders, old settler. Theoretically, yes. Actually, no. I hope you do not expect me to abandon mental as well as physical efforts, great wampus cats. Am I to be denied a sentimental interest in matters where I have a controlling financial interest? I admit you two boys are running my affairs, and ordinarily you run them rather well. But, but, ahum, uh harum, what's the matter with you, Matt? And you also, Skinner, if Matt makes a mistake, it's your job to remind him of it before the results manifest themselves, is it not? And vice versa. Have you two boobs lost your ability to judge men, or did you ever have such ability? You're referring to Henderson, 
of the Shanghai office, I dare say, Mr. Skinner cut in. I am Skinner, and I'm here to remind you that if we stick to our own game, which is coastwise shipping, and had left the Trans-Pacific field with its general cargoes to others, we wouldn't have any Shanghai office at this moment, and we would not be pestered with the Hendersons of the world. He's the best lumber salesman we've ever had, Mr. Skinner defended. I have every hope that he would send us orders for many a cargo for Asiatic delivery. And he had gone through every job in this office, from office boy to sales manager in the lumber department, and from freight clerk to passenger agent in the navigation company, Matt Peasley supplemented. I admit all of that, but did you consult me when you decided to send him out to China on his own? Of course not. I'm boss of the Blue Star Navigation Company, am I not? The man was in charge of the Shanghai office before you ever opened your mouth to discharge your cargo of free advice. I told you that Henderson wouldn't make good, didn't I? You did. And now I have the opportunity to tell you a little tale you didn't give me the opportunity to tell you before you sent him out. Henderson was a good man, a crackerjack man, when he had better men over him, but... I've been twenty years reducing a tendency on the part of that fellow's head to burst his hat band, and now he's gone south with a hundred and thirty thousand tails of our Shanghai bank account. Permit me to remind you, Mr. Ricks, Mr. Skinner cut in oddly, that he was bonded to the extent of a quarter of a million dollars. Not a peep out of you, Skinner, not a peep. Permit me to remind you that I'm the little genius who placed that insurance unknown to you and Matt. And I recall now that I was reminded by you, Matthew, my son, that I had retired ten years ago, and please would I quit interfering with this internal administration of your office. Well, I must admit, your farsightedness in that instance will keep the Shanghai office out of the red ink this year, Matt Peasley replied. However, we face this situation, Cappy. Henderson was drunk and gambled and signed chits to the excess of his salary. He hasn't attended to the business, and he's capped his inefficiency by absconding with our bank account. We couldn't foresee that. When we send a man out to the Orient to be our manager there, we have to trust him all the way or not at all. So there is no use weeping over spilled milk, Cappy. Our job is to select a successor to Henderson and send him out to Shanghai on the next boat. Oh, very well, Matt, Cappy replied magnanimously. I'll not rub it into you. I suppose I'm far from generous bawling you out like this. Perhaps when you're my age and you have had a lot of mental and moral cripples nip you and draw blood as often as they've drawn it on me, you'll be a better judge then. I of men worthy of the weight of responsibility. Skinner, have you gotten a candidate for this job? I regret to say, sir, I have not. All of the men in my department are quite young, too young for the responsibility. What do you mean, young, Cappy Blast? Well, the only man I would consider for the job is Andrews, and he is too young, about thirty, I should say. About thirty, eh? Strikes me you were almost twenty-eight when I threw ten thousand a year at you in actual cash and a couple of million dollars worth of responsibility. Yes, sir, but then Andrews has never been tested. Skinner, Cappy interrupted with his most awful voice. It's a constant source of amazement to me 
why I refrain from firing you. You say Andrews has never been tested. Why hasn't he been tested? Why are we maintaining untested material in this shop anyhow, eh? Answer me that. Tut, 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 tut. Not a peep out of you, sir. If you had done your Christian duty, you would have taken a year's vacation when lumber was selling itself in 1919 and 1920. And you would have left Andrews sitting in your desk to see what sort of stuff he's made of. It's a mighty lucky thing I didn't go away for a year, Skinner protested respectfully. Because the market broke like that. And if you don't think we have to hustle to sell significant lumber to keep our own ships busy freighting it. Skinner, how dare you contradict me? How old was Matt Peasley when I turned over the Blue Star Navigation Company to him, lock, stock, and barrel? Why, he wasn't twenty-six years old. Skinner, you're a dodo. The killjoys like you, who has straddled the neck of industry and throttled it with absurd theories that a man's back must be bent like an oxbow and his locks snowy white before he can be entrusted with responsibility and a living wage, have caused all of our wars and strikes. This is a young man's world, Skinner, and don't you ever forget it. The go-getters of this world are under thirty years of age, Matt, he concluded, turning to his son-in-law. What do you think of Andrews for the Shanghai job? I think he'll do. Why do you think he'll do? Because he ought to do. He's been with us long enough and has acquired sufficient experience to enable him. He has acquired the courage to tackle the job, Matt, Cappy interrupted. That's more important than this dogged experience you and Skinner prat so much about. I know nothing of his courage. I assume he has force and initiative. I know he has a pleasing personality. Well, before you send him out, we ought to know whether or not he has force and initiative. Then, quoth Matt Peasley, rising, I wash my hands of the job of selecting Henderson's successor. You've butted in, so I suggest you name the lucky man. Yes, indeed, Skinner agreed. I'm sure it's quite beyond my poor abilities to uncover Andrews's force and initiative on such short notice. He does possess sufficient force and initiative for his present job, but, but will he possess force and initiative when he has to make a quick decision 6,000 miles from expert advice and stand or fall by that decision? That's what we want to know, Skinner. I suggest, sir, Mr. Skinner replied with chill politeness, that you conduct the examination. I accept the nomination, Skinner, by the holy pink-toed prophet. The next man we send to that Shanghai office is going to be a go-getter. We've had three managers go rotten on us, and that's three too many. And without further ado, Cappy swung his aged legs upon the desk and slid down in his swivel chair until he rested on his spine. His head sank on his breast, and he closed his eyes. He's framing the examination for Andrews, Matt Peasley whispered, as he and Skinner made their exits. End of chapter 1